If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. This is Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. And I'm Erin with Sadler Science. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of things that you can do to get ready for next school year without like crushing yourself this summer. So we want to keep it really simple, really easy. But I mean, I don't know. I know I was always the kind of teacher who was like, okay, I have my summer break. I actually have time to figure things out. So I'm going to take advantage of it. And I enjoyed doing it. But um, so we kind of were thinking, you know, for those of you who are in the same boat, obviously take your time off and enjoy your break. You deserve it. But if you do want to start thinking ahead, um, we've kind of identified three things that we think will give you a jump start, but again, are just really easy to incorporate and, and, and do over the summer. Yeah. I, I know for me, I'm especially tired this year. I'm more tired than I've ever been in my entire teaching career. So when we were coming up with this list, I really wanted to make it simple because I don't think that anybody is really feeling like they're like raring to go <laughs> this summer. So when yeah. it's really simple. Yes. You don't need to think I need to create every single storyline for my entire curriculum this summer. No, give yourself a break. Um, but if you feel like it, you know, you can, you can just start thinking about some of the things that will, will take some time off your plate when you go back in the fall and will definitely make a difference in making your life easier when you get back to school. Right. So absolutely. Okay. So Aaron, what is um, number one on your list? So we talked about like taking a bird's eye view of your course and really looking at kind of an overview of what the course will look like and how you're kind of bundling your standards and stuff like that. Just really rethinking that, that like almost like your scope and sequence, but not that detail. Yeah. You don't have, don't need to like plan out your like from this week to this week and looking at my academic calendar and when is my unit going to start and end? Um, but I think it is, can be, I think it can be really valuable and helpful to just have an idea of what your bundles are. And I don't even, I don't even think it's necessary and maybe you already have this done, but I don't think it's even necessary to iron out all of the details of the bundles, but if you can identify like one or two focus standards for each unit that you're like, this is kind of the theme or the focus that I'm going to build my unit on. And then 
And then you can go and look at what other standards you have to cover. And you might find that they integrate really well into those, those focus standards when it comes to writing your storyline. But even just having that idea, like, and I, I hate saying teaching like with topics because I want us to embrace teaching from phenomena, but at the same time knowing, okay, I'm going to start the year with something related to weather. I mean, that's helpful, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think also just thinking about like dry spots in your year when you're like, oh, this, I, I remember really dragging at this point and just kind of making a note of that and saying, okay, like this is a place where I, I kind of need to spend some time this year. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And I also, you know, one of the things that I didn't always consider, but even thinking like seasonally, um, if you can, if you can incorporate a unit that, you know, that I could do a lot of hands-on outdoor, um, you know, I don't know, like water cycle. I didn't typically teach the water cycle or, or water resources or things like that in the fall or the spring, but that would have been a really good one to do then because you could literally go out to the pond and collect some water and you're not hacking through, you know, four inches of ice, um, at least where I live. Yeah. So kind of thinking that kind of seasonal approach, whereas in the middle of the winter, doing something with space might be cool because it's darker earlier. Your students could go out and see the stars. It's crisp. Um, a lot of the activities are more, you know, indoors, hand, uh, simulations, things like that. That might be a good one for over the winter months, you know? So kind of thinking about that kind of stuff, I think can be really interesting. Yeah. You can even look at, I was just looking at dates for like lunar eclipses and you can kind of, um, like, you know, if there's, if there's an event that, you know, is coming, you can kind of adjust your sequence a little bit to plan for that. Yeah, true. And same thing with, um, even seasonal hurricanes versus tornadoes or something like that, tying in weather during one of those seasons versus in the middle of winter when it's only just snowing or it just rains for four months or whatever it is, wherever you live. Um, so all of those things I think is, it's just worth thinking about and maybe not just accepting the order that you've done things in because you've always done them that way, but maybe just how could I make it a little bit more interesting? How could I bring a little bit more excitement? Again, you're not getting into the nitty gritty, so you don't need to stress about, I need to spend hours mapping out my scope and sequence. Just take a look and kind of reflect. And and if you can move things around to make it better, maybe kind of do that. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that that's super easy and like doesn't take really much of your time. Like you're not going to spend hours and hours and hours working on this. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it sets you up for our second thing on the list, which is to start thinking about and noticing phenomena. So one of the challenges I've noticed that teachers have is this kind of desire, and I totally get it, to pick like the perfect phenomena or phenomenon. And it's really hard. It can it can feel hard and time consuming to do it when you kind of have the the pressures on, right? You, you're starting a unit in two weeks or three weeks, and you need to think of a phenomenon that's going to engage your students. And, you know, you're, you're just cracking down, trying to find something. Okay. Isn't there somebody who had like Eureka moments? Was that Einstein? Or am I just making that up? I feel like I remember hearing about it when I was a kid on like Nickelodeon or something, but like, okay, Eureka moment. Like you're just, you're doing something and you just have this great idea, right? It's not related to anything you're doing. People talk about it as a way to like spark your creativity. You're not supposed to sit and force yourself to think about it. You're supposed to like go, I don't know, paint a picture. So I think that this summer you can allow yourself to have those eureka moments by just noticing natural phenomena 
and thinking about how it could fit into your curriculum. So instead of, you know, in the fall when you're trying to teach weather and you're struggling to think of what's an investigative phenomenon I can bring in here, or what is a a big anchor that I can use for this unit, you maybe came across a really cool news article that sparked some ideas, or you had an interesting discussion with um, your friend or your child or your spouse or from an email listserv that you are a part of that you noticed. And you're like, wow, that's a really cool idea. I think if we can create like if you have your general scope of your bird's eye view of your curriculum and you can start logging some of those ideas, I think it's going to give you a really big jump start um, into that process. That's rich. It's really hard to, to find phenomena. <laughs> I I always find that we're when we're on vacation, I think of so many phenomena and I think it's just because I'm not trying to. Um, and then every year we, well, not every year, most years we drive out to Colorado. So I'm seeing different things and it like really that, like that idea bank. So that's a really good idea. Yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, just, so what I do, I'm getting ready to launch the spark subscription in like late July, early August. And the whole point of it is, you know, I saw that, and I, I was asking questions on Instagram and things like that too. And it really seemed like finding the phenomena and creating that initial like anchor experience or spark experience that really just creates all those questions and allows you to drive the learning from the phenomenon. That seemed to be what teachers were like having a really hard time with. So with my spark subscription, my goal is I'm going to give you the phenomenon and the experience and, and how you're going to engage your students with it so that they create those questions and you can use that to create your storyline. Right. So I'm basically just, okay, what, anchors can I find and what anchors can I pull into tie to these different standards and you know because that's what I'm doing now so I just started creating this like notice and wonder list on an app called Voxer Aaron and I use it all the time to talk to each other but it's like a walkie-talkie app but I just send messages to myself either text messages or voice messages and Anytime I come across an idea that I'm like, oh, that would be a good phenomenon, whether it's an anchor, whether it's investigative, I like send it to myself. And then when I have time, I can go log it on like a more permanent list. But even just doing that, I've, I've found so many different ideas that I'm really excited to create activities and experiences and all that with. Um, and I think of them at the weirdest times. I think of that then when I'm walking through the woods, or like I said, when I get an email from a listserv, when someone asks like a really interesting question or I don't know, my five-year-old doesn't, I mean, she pretty much talks in questions mm-hmm. and really hard, deep questions that I'm like, I don't know, how can I explain like DNA and dinosaur? Like, I don't know. She saw some sort of show with cloning dinosaurs um, <laughs> to you because you're five. Uh, my, but my, those, those are the types of things. <laughs> yeah. My, um, my brother-in-law keeps texting me because his daughter keeps asking him questions and he's like, what's the answer to this? And, and, you know, I've been like guiding him through like, well, what does she think the answer is? And all of that kind of stuff. And her last one was, why are some plants, why do some plants have fuzzy leaves? <laughs> and I was like, that's such Ooh, a, that's good a good one. Right. We just saw some of those the other day um, at Asbury Woodson. We were there and it, it was the kids got to touch them and feel them. And it was cool. They, she didn't ask that one, but you know, it's funny. So this is a little bit of a tangent, but a lot of times I don't know. I'm, and I don't want to generalize it to all kids, but like, I think young children, they do ask questions, but like you said, a lot of times they kind of already know the answer and it's like, they're asking you, I don't know, to see if your answer changed. I don't really know why they're asking, mm-hmm. but 
usually you can, you can turn it back to them and bring out a little bit more of the ideas. Like she asked me, you know, how does a bean become, first she said, how's a bean become a tree? And then she was like, wait, no, I mean, how does a seed become a tree? And, and, you know, I could have just given the answer or whatever. And I don't know, I really wasn't paying attention. I think I just said something like, I don't know, like, I don't know, what do you think? Because I wasn't paying attention. And she kind of went off on, routed off a little explanation or said something about, you know, well, it needs water and it grows in the ground or, you know, so they know a lot more than, than maybe we give them credit for. And you can kind of turn that back. And that's what we should be doing in our classroom to our students too. But that was a little tangent. But Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's a really, really easy thing that you can do over the summer. I like that idea to just keep a list. Just, just keep it, keep a running log and you will be so happy with yourself when you go to teach something and you're like, I need a phenomenon and you just go back to your list and you're like, oh, that one's perfect. Yep. So. Yep. Um, okay. And then what, yeah, what's third on your list? Okay. So the last one um, that I like to do is I like to look at, kind of my classroom culture and my classroom setup and like the kind of in a very broad way, just review what happened through the year and what were some of the sticking points and just kind of start thinking about how I can resolve some of those issues. You know, like um, we kind of talked about like mindset blocks at the beginning of the year. I know Mm -hmm. like, I feel like in the beginning of my school year, it takes about a quarter for my new students to like get on board and not, you know, like not be super sad about class and stuff like that. So, you know, just thinking about how you can improve those points. Yeah. I think for sure there's always a transition period for students, but at the same time, I think the more we get used to, the more we go, you know, you go through that transition, you realize there are things that you could do to maybe shorten the transition period. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it's literally just communicating this is what it looked like before. And this is what, you know, looks like now. Um, and that's something that we don't always think about our first year doing this. We're just like, no, just go figure it out. It's fine. Like this is what it is now, but giving our students that heads up or giving parents or admin that heads up, it can really make a difference. So if you can kind of identify, again, you don't even have to figure out the solutions right now, but if you can kind of identify where those problems were, then when you go to, you're like, okay, I'm starting my year. I know this is going to be a sticking point right here. You know, then in August or September, you can think, okay, what, what could I do differently to make it less sticky? (laughs) Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we're talking about in my student, student driven investigations course is like setting your classroom up for success. So if you were interested in that, go to sadlerscience.com slash investigate and the cart is open right now. So that class is coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you're addressing that piece because if, and I think a lot of times teachers who are doing all of the right things in terms of I'm doing the 3D teaching, I'm not giving them the answers, I'm telling them to use, or I'm having them use the practices. If you don't have that like culture and that kind of setup, you know, community culture, environment, whatever, if you don't have that foundation, it doesn't work and it doesn't translate and your students don't like buy into it and don't really find success in it. And sometimes I think a lot of maybe teachers want to skip over that piece and then they're not successful. And then they're like, I don't get why it's not working for me and my students. And it's like, well, you, you really have to go back to that piece. So I really like that you're starting with that. I just want to say that. Thanks. 
Thanks. I um I also noticed that the way that I set up my classroom, like where the stuff was stored and things like that made a huge difference in the way that my classroom ran. So that's another area of focus. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these like big things that we talked about, I want like everybody who's listening to know we're actually going to be going more in depth on these topics over the summer. So, you know, these are three kind of pretty simple things that you can start to just think about. But if you do want to go further, we hope you'll you know continue listening to this podcast over the summer. We're going to take a quick break for a few weeks and then we'll be back on July 5th. And I mean, this is literally what we're going to be talking about, you know, creating that bird's eye view, looking at your standards, bundling them, organizing those units. You know, we're going to look at building relationships, communicating how 3D teaching is different with your students, with parents, with administrators, with colleagues even. Um, And, you know, we did that a little bit last week with Nicole's uh, interview. But we're definitely going to take a closer look at all of these ideas. And we really, really hope you'll continue learning with us this summer after our short break. Um, Everybody needs a a little bit of a summer vacation, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited because we've never actually done a summer season. We've always done like a fall and spring, but we're kind of going to stick around a little bit more during the summer. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. Yes, me too. Um, so with that in mind, though, so like we said, we do have these topics can, you know, set up, ironed out a little bit, but we really also just want to know what do you want to learn more about? What questions do you have? Um, where are some areas of this like 3D teaching and student driven learning and phenomena and all that um, where where you're getting stuck or where you, find, you know, think you need more resources or more support there? Um because that will help us create like episodes that are going to serve you and answer your questions. So we would love to hear from you. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. Your reviews actually, they help us be found um, as a podcast on the internet for other teachers. Um, They also let us know that, you know, people are listening. (laughs) And again, if you want to include in there some of what you want to see more of and what you really love, if you love the solo episodes or our conversations, or if you love interviews, or if you want to hear more from, I don't know, this teacher or that teacher or anything, like let us know and just tell us, communicate with us. Um, And you can do that in the review. You can do that on our Instagram or on our website. Um, But please don't be a stranger. We really want to hear from you uh, and and really involve you in the planning of our episodes because we want to make sure that we're giving you the information that you need. Yeah. And um, the easiest way to submit a question is to go to teachingsciencein3d.com slash questions. And then we have a Google form. You can even submit an audio file, which would be super awesome. We've done that once before and it worked really well. Yeah. Then you could be featured on the podcast. You have your voice on our podcast. Um, So that's pretty exciting. (laughs) All right. Well, that is everything that I think we have. Yeah, me too. Well, Thanks for listening this spring and, and just this whole past school year. Um, I know, I know my podcast, you know, listening declined for a bit there because I wasn't leaving my house or going anywhere, but <laughs> thank you for hanging out with us and sticking with us. And we are really looking forward to hearing from you and connecting with you. Um, enjoy a couple, you're, you know, you're not going to hear from us for a couple of weeks, but enjoy your little, your break. And we hope to see you back on July 5th. Sounds good. We will, you'll hear from us soon. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. 
While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.